I hope you're all having a great time in Jesus. You know, we serve an awesome God. There's no two ways about it. He's a mighty King, the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. He is alive, just like we sang today. He is alive. He is raised from the dead to live forevermore. He is alive. Praise the King. Glory. We had a great day today so far. I mean, it's, you know, in the era we live in today, I can think back when the day when my dad was riding along beside me in an airplane and had a little Mooney that I had a long time ago when I used to have a farm down in South Texas. And one afternoon after we'd been down there farming and baling hay and all that stuff, we were flying back across. Normally it's about in a truck with a trailer. It's about a 10-hour drive. But in that Mooney, straight across, flying straight, it was about an hour and 20 minutes. So it was a little different. So Dad and I was flying across there, and he's looking out, and he says, I can see him thinking. And I said, Dad, what are you thinking? He said, Son, if I would have told my dad that one day I'd have a son, that he and I would go down to the valley and farm, and then after we get to farm, he'd get in an airplane in an hour and 20 minutes, fly halfway across the train to Texas. He said he'd think I'm crazy. Well, yesterday we was in Pennsylvania. We preached the Word up there until about 9 o'clock or 9.30 last night. Then we went over to a lovely couple's home and had a full-course dinner and left their house just a few minutes before midnight and then went to the hotel and then got up this morning at 5 o'clock and, and drove an hour and got on an airplane. And he, we came here and got here at 11.30. You know, so I'm telling you, we live in an era today that's just beyond our wildest dreams. You know, to think that my great-great-grandfather came from Tennessee to Texas and they, now you girls now, like Yeshua, which is pregnant, and some of you other girls that have had babies and everything else, and some of y'all are having your babies at home and you're believing God for certain things. But my great-great-great-grandfather and grandmother left Tennessee coming to Texas and they left in a wagon with a team of horses. It took them three years to make the route and they had two babies in route. And there was no... Uh, Shelly, you wouldn't want to be that mother, would you, girl? <laughs> That's back in the days when women were women, I'm telling you. <laughs> And they were real women. And you girls today, none of y'all want to be those kind of women. I know that for sure. We have learned the conveniences and the comforts. But let me tell you what those people had to learn to do. Those people had to learn to pray. Well, that's all they had. I mean, they didn't have a doctor to go to. They didn't have a 7-Eleven to stop, get something to eat. Or just like this morning... My honey buddy, she said, as I'm getting ready to leave the room to check out real early, she said, you know, I would really love you if. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I thought, okay, what is this? If you will stop by the machine and get me a cold Dr. Pepper, so I'll have it on the way to the airport. <laughs> I said, well, what if I don't? Are you going to love me? She said, no, I'm still going to love you. I said, okay. Then as long as your love is not conditional, I'll, I'll stop and get you a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. We had lots of fun this week. <clears throat> We've been a lot of places and done a lot of things. I think about how great God really is and how much fun it is to serve God. And when you learn who He really is and you read His Word and you learn His promises, what He will do for you. Now then, uh, I've got a mic up here. And I'm going to, again, 
I'm going to let Cheryl come up here and give her a little uh, say-so about what she's doing about this. Uh, all these children. Uh, she do- adopts uh, 50 children every year about Christmas time, has for this is five years, and only this year I think she's got 90 of them, I think. Yes, I do. This little red sheet, I have a bunch of them over there. And if y'all want to help, we so far I sent out emails before I left Thursday and Friday, and so far today I have six thousand dollars. My goal is fifty thousand dollars because we last year only had fifty, and this year we have forty more that are coming from a, a it's called Open Arms Women's Battered Shelter. I think it's over in Arlington. So if y'all want to help again this year, I think last year we got about six thousand from this church alone. Uh, a lady called me this morning. As we got off the plane, she called and she, she got my email and she said that she was going to uh, get her dad to help. She was also going to get her Bible study to help and they were going to adopt several children and buy all their gifts. And I said, well, praise God, you know, thank you so much. So that's really a blessing. So I do have, I don't have it. I, I have to go get it out of the car because I forgot to bring it in. But I have the wish list and I have the kids and their ages and, and all the needs. So I'll go get that here in a minute and so that if anybody wants to look at it after church, and please be sure and take one of these, and it, it explains what we're doing. Uh, 50 Kids from Christ Haven for Children. They're abused, abandoned, and neglected children. They cannot be adopted. Most of their parents are in the penal system uh, or their drugs and alcohol, and some of the stories are horrible, of course. They're either there for days or for years. About half the kids have been there all five years that we've been doing this. They're still on the list. And then, like I say, that we've adopted the 40 kids over at uh, the Women's Battered Shelter, as well as I'm going to give gift certificates to the mothers because they have left their homes with only the clothes on their back. So I figure they must need something, too. Anyway, I just hope that all of y'all will open up your heart and open up your pocketbook. <laughs> give me some money <laughs> so that I can, uh, you know, bless these children. We sign all the gifts, love Jesus, and we talk about Jesus at, at the event. And, uh, of course, we have the children. We acknowledge everyone that helps. And this year we're going to have it Saturday, December 16th from 2 to 4 out at Little Pete's Restaurant in uh, Flower Mound. So this year y'all will be able to come if you'd like. You can have uh, dinner with the children. And everybody that buys a dinner they give that the restaurant gives the money to Christ Haven, uh, so that's really a neat thing too. So I just hope y'all get a flyer, help me out, and if also I need if you don't have money, I need gift wrappers because last year we wrapped 932 presents, and now that there's 90 kids plus their mothers, it's going to be a lot more presents. And of course our staff did a lot of that last year, but we need a lot of help. So thank you, and God bless everybody. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, now then, last week I had a couple of people that wanted to give a testimony that I didn't get to give. Uh, if anybody has a testimony you want to tell us what Jesus has done, we'd be glad to open the mic to you. Anybody back there have a testimony you want to give God some glory? You gave one last week, Michelle. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open it to others. Yes, come up here, young lady. Yes, yeah, so I, I know I had two or three people that asked me last week said I didn't get to give a testimony. So I'm going to see if I can get you. I have a report to give is that uh, about a month and a half ago we prayed for me a new job and God came through in a big way 
But since I've been there, all eight or nine of us that were hired at one time have, for the last two or three weeks, been able to get to know each other. And each one of us in our own time was telling everybody that this job that they've received was a blessing. And it was funny how all of us had been inspired to update our resumes and get them online and do all this stuff. And so here as a big group of people, I believe 90% of us are all Christians. And we're all here at the same time, all inspired at the same time, and all blessed at the same time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Whoops. Okay, I got it. All right. I tell you, the Lord has just done a heck of a lot of work here with me in the past couple of days. Um, This week, I was walking down some steps and slipped, and they were metal steps, and I went down about five steps and um, had jammed my foot and back into the bone into my leg and it was very painful and I've been praying against that and then on Friday I called the ministry center and was looking for prayer and you guys had gone and I got a hold of the lady that answered the phone there and she says I'm going to get back to you I'm going to find someone to pray well while she was doing that um, I got it I found out that one of my friends had uh, gone to ICU and they were putting blood into her and there was all kinds of stuff going on with her well, when the lady called me back, um, we prayed over my leg, and you know, she said, now you can come on, on Sunday and get some extra prayer. I said, oh, no, I won't need that because I've already been praying. You've prayed. We'd agreed it's, it's done, okay? And I don't need prayer for that today. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so that, I want to get that praise report out there. Um, and then I asked her, I said, will you pray with me because I need to go. Um, as soon as I heard that, the Lord put it in my heart that I had to go talk with the family. Um, with the husband in this. And um, uh, she said, sure. And she prayed with me, and she prayed that I would be filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with power. And, and i tell you why she was praying. I, I certainly felt that. I, I received it and um, spent about the next 30 minutes or so. The Lord opened up a whole bunch of healing scriptures. Um, um, got a good teacher. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, and He works through all of us. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> and uh, so I, I then went to the went to the hospital and and sat with the husband and asked. And they had the whole family there and some friends. And I said, you know, do you want to do this in private or do you want to do this with a group? And he says, just go. And so we sat down and we we went through all the healing scriptures the Lord showed me about how to re, you know to repent and how we were to be healed, how we were to walk in it, and how we had the power to, to command that and make it happen. And um, with all his promises, we went through the promises. And yes and amen. And um, one of the things that was interesting after that was over with was he stood up, he hugged me, and he says, you know, he said, that's exactly a con- I can tell you this is a confirmation. I went to the chapel, I prayed, and in about two seconds, the Lord said, tell her to repent and she'll get better, and he'll heal her. And he said, that was it, and he walked out. And then he said, now, this had to be a little hard for you knowing that I'm a pastor of a church to come and tell me that the message is repent and you'll be healed. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Praise the Lord. uh, She's coming home today. The doctors have looked. They said they can't find anything wrong with her. They they had put nine of those units of blood in her. And I, I honestly believe that he heard the message. He prayed. She was healed, and they can't find a thing wrong. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Any others? Any others before we go on? Praise the Lord. Oh, we got one right here. Yes. 
Come over here, young lady, and tell us what Jesus. Come step up here with me where they can see you. Okay? Um, I came across an accident a couple weeks ago, and I just believe that God allowed me to be there then so I could see his power. And I want to share that with you because um, he really showed up. A man had a car on his leg, and I and he it just happened when I arrived. And I immediately started calling Jesus. I just believed that he was going to intervene. And other people came. We lifted the car off his leg. I I just, I believed that God was going to keep his leg whole. Amen. And I actually said those words. Amen. And his his bone wasn't broke. I went to the emergency room, and his bone wasn't broke. His leg was fine. Praise the Lord. Because of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 It's wonderful what happens when we get where we can be bold and use the Word of God. You know, you need to get to be bold, though, right, Keith? You've got to get to be bold. And when you get bold with the Word, and just like Dave prayed a while ago, Lord, when our hearts condemn us not, with sin. You know, we know that He hears our prayers and that He answers and that the answer is yes and amen every time. Praise the Lord. We've got a couple of places, a couple of scriptures we're going to go to. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 to start off with. We're going to start off 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, it's kind of amazing, you know, what God does. You know, last night, yesterday, I, of course, taught the Word of God all day yesterday. And then uh, read some last night, got up this morning, read, read all the way home, uh, everything, read all the way up to the church and everywhere else, and uh, meditated on the Word and everything. We drove in out here, and my honey bunny said, what are you going to preach on? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have it yet. <laughs> but I sat down here and read and read and read, and some of y'all were coming in, and the Lord gave it to me, sitting right here on the front row. So, anyway, got a couple places we're going to go in first. Corinthians chapter 10 to start off with, and then we're going to go to Second Peter. But to start off with, we're here in First Corinthians chapter 10. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. Now, I've come to realize that this is the problem in the church today. We're ignorant to the Word of God and what it says. We don't know who we are. The enemy has done a great job of deceiving all of us, and so therefore he has really defeated us when he, the enemy, is totally, completely defeated. All thing he can do is use deceit and bluff to deceive you. But Paul's telling us some things that's going to keep the devil away from us. He says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers, all our fathers were under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. Now, all of them... What he's talking about, when they came out of Egypt, you know, they had the cloud that was over them in the daytime as a shade. And that had to be a pretty good-sized cloud, you know, because we had three or four or five million people. It's like having a cloud to cover the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Every day, there was a beautiful cloud that covered an area where all the people were to keep the sun from blistering them out there in the desert. And then at night, the cloud went away and a big, beautiful fire came up in the sky. And it illuminated the ground so they had light all the time, light to see. So it's just amazing what God can do. And I'm telling you, to light a torch in the sky where you can see an area as big as the Dallas-Fort Metroplex 
If you want somebody what that involves, you ought to have to pay the electric bill for the entire city of Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex just one night, and then you would know what that involves. You know, and of course, people that are pilots, like Keith and some of the other people around here, those of you, like, even like myself, when we fly at night, it is so beautiful. You know, when you fly over, you look down and there's millions of lights. Every one of those is a little flaming torch that's burning to light an area. You know, and we forget, you know, the wonderful things that God has done. Somewhere there's a generator with enough power to supply all of that. We never think about that when we go in and turn the light switch on. Never think about the magnificence of somewhere there's a group of people maintaining a generator to provide power so you can walk in and turn your light on. We take those things for granted. You know, we should get to the point where that when we walk in and turn that light on, we ought to say, thank you, Lord, for this light. You know, we go up to the faucet to turn the water on. We should say, Lord, thank you for the water that's running out of that faucet. Because there's a team of people somewhere in miles of pipes and pumps and everything else that is taking that to work. And if you, you, if you don't really enjoy that and think that's good, just let a water main break in your area somewhere and you ain't got no water for four or five days. Hey, it changes the whole... Now, naturally, what Dave said a while ago when he was praying, when those kind of things happen, what do we usually do, even as Christians? We grumble and complain. What's wrong with the water? Why do I have no electricity? Well, ma'am, I'm, sir, I'm sorry there's a storm and we had a lightning strike, but we're doing everything we can to get it back on. Well, hurry up and get it on. I need to watch my television show. Boy, we're not very patient, I will have to say. But anyway, he's telling us all these paths through the cloud and through the sea, and they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. He says, and they did all eat the same spiritual meat, and they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for the drink of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. He was a supplier then, just like he is today. He did it a little different then, but then the Lord was providing everything for these people to eat and drink. And let me tell you today, the king is still bringing them trucks and them cargo airplanes and everything else into this metroplex that's hauling all of the stuff that's coming here that you enjoy every day. You know, when you go to the store and you go up and you look at the meat counters and you say, well, let's see, which one do I want? And you pick this or you pick that, and then you go over and you buy this and you buy that, and you get you a big basket full of stuff. You know, there's a lot of Christians will never even say, thank you, Lord, for this magnificent store that I can walk in and buy all this stuff. And then, Lord, thank you that I've got money in my pocket to pay for it. You know, it's so easy to grumble and complain and so easy to forget what God has blessed us with. But this same spiritual rock that provided food for them in the desert is the one that's providing that food in those stores for you and me today. I mean, the water that comes out of your faucet. When you pull down there to buy gas, thanking that you got the money and thanking that the gasoline is there so you can put gas in your car. You know, don't pull down there and say, oh my gosh, gasoline's two twenty again. You say, Lord, thank you that I can buy some. See, because let me tell you, I saw a sign here a while back that really hit home. It was a great big billboard out there, one of them big ones up above the street, you know, them huge ones. I looked up there and it says, 
If you think the traffic jams are long now, just keep complaining, God. I thought, whoa. Whoa. He don't like grumbling and complaining now just like he didn't like it before. So when you're in a traffic jam, say, Lord, I praise you and thank you for this traffic jam. (laughs) Try that next time and see how quick you get out of it. If we were to all praise Him and worship Him every day, you know we wouldn't have any traffic jams. The traffic would move beautiful and at normal traffic speed, and we would have no accidents. I am completely convinced if we as a nation could walk holy and obedience before God and worship and praise Him every day, there would be no accidents on the freeways. There'd be no breakdowns on the freeways. There would be none of those things happen because He would bless us abundantly because we were obedient children to do what He says. But if we don't, hey, then these kind of things happen to us. Just like it did here. After these people drank this water, it says, but verse 5 says, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. Now you think He still has a few of us? He probably, there's probably been very, there's probably been many times in my life when he was not well pleased with me. Now, I know none of the rest of y'all are like me. I know none of y'all ever done those things. You know, I know y'all were all perfect little children and always done everything perfect. Lord, forgive me for lying, you know, because I got a feeling we've all been short and fall short of his glory. You know that? We grumble and complain. We do lots of things wrong. But he says, but with many of them, many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, wait a minute. It says there because he was not well pleased with them, they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, why were they overthrown? Because he wasn't pleased with what they were doing. See, people today don't think God's still in control. Well, let me tell you. I got news for you. The king is in control. And they don't nothing catch him by surprise. He knows everything. People say, but he's a loving God. He would never do nothing to hurt me. Yeah, he's a loving God. But that part about he won't do nothing to hurt you. All you got to do is get out of thoughts with him and find out what he will do. You can be hurt very seriously and very critical because all you got to do is read this book. When we read this book, right here where we're at today, we see both sides of the picture. And in the First Corinthians 10, we're going to talk about one side of the picture. When we get to Second Peter, we're going to see the other side of the picture. Now then here he says, Now these things, as, since he was not pleased with them, they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now see, when we go back to the Scripture and we see what He did to them, since He's no respect to persons, we need to know He'll do that to you and me. He'll do the same thing to you and me. So whenever we start coming down as Christians in the church with some kind of sickness and disease or torment in our family or our lives are going bad or our families are breaking up or our children are going on drugs and everything else, we need to examine our life to see where we're walking. There's something wrong with our life or our children's life. You know, I mean, God does give us the freedom to make a choice. But, you know, so many of us today, especially our children, you know, and all of us today that have little children, grandchildren, whatever, we 
pray for them diligently because we know all they got to do is get out there and listen to the wrong voice with the wrong crowd. And they can fall into the wrong crowd, be in the wrong place. And the horror story that nobody wants to hear is they call you in the middle of the night and say, your son was involved in a car wreck and he's dead. But he was drinking. Or he was riding with a boy that was under the influence of alcohol. And your son was killed. You know, that happens every day in the Dallas Fourth Metroplex to some family. Nobody wants to hear that, do we? Why did those children wind up like they did? They listened to the wrong voice. Sometimes us as parents don't teach them how to discern these voices because we don't know how to discern these voices. God will speak to you. Just like right now. He's speaking to us right now out of His Word. We're hearing His voice. He's telling us what He doesn't like right here and what He'll do if you do this. Like yesterday I was talking to that group of people up there about hearing the voice of God. I said there's three inputs we get to our mind. I said one of them is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will speak to our spirit and our spirit will communicate with our mind and it comes in like a thought. And you have a thought. Well, you think if you don't, if you're not learned, a person that's learned in how to do this, you will think that's just my thought. But if that thought is to protect you or do something good for you or to help somebody else, that thought came from the Holy Ghost and it came from God. Now then, if that thought came to you and told you to do something contrary to the Word of God, that thought come from the devil. Then you might also have thoughts of your own. Those, those three different sources that your brain receives. I said, so if something happens, you're driving down the road, and all of a sudden a thought comes to your mind and says, you know you need to turn right right there on Jane Lane and go down a little ways and see Brother John. He wasn't feeling good last week. You remember you heard somebody say at church he wasn't feeling good? You need to go by and visit him. Now, who do you think that voice was coming from? The Holy Spirit, of course. But right behind that, another thought said, but you're on the way to the store, or you might be on the way to church on Sunday. And the voice will come back and say, but you know, if you go by and see him, you're going to be late to church. And you don't want to be late to church. Now then, who do you think where that second voice came from? The devil. Exactly right. And after I told some of those stories last night, the place where we went to dinner, this lady, Virginia, a beautiful lady, her and her husband fixed us a beautiful dinner last night. And she told me, she said, you know, I didn't know how to discern those voices. But she said, you see my hand? I said, yes. And this finger had been torn off. She had a new one put back on there and made it pretty good shape. And finally, she even got to where she could bend it and everything through prayer. But she said, my husband, I was running a printing press. And one of the little felts moved. And I reached under there to move it back in place, and a thought come to my mind says, do not put your hand in there. And she said, I heard that thought clear. Well, she said, I just went right ahead and reached in there and did it. What do you think happened to her, Shelly? It cut the end of her finger off. See, now where do you think that, where do you think that voice came from that told her, don't reach in there? It was God. It was the Holy Spirit that was in her. She was a daughter of the King. But she had never been trained to discern these voices. 
You as a Christian have got to become trained to hear the voice of God. When he, and He talks to us. He talks to every one of us. Some of us will say, I've never heard God's voice. I'm telling you, if you're a Christian, you've heard His voice. He's spoken to you. He's put them thoughts in your mind. No telling how many times He's put them in there. But your heart has been so hard that when He tries to tell you to do something, you're not willing to do it because it's not what you wanted to do. You won't listen to God. You know, And some of you have been hurt and all kinds of things have happened because you did not discern the voice of God. And sometimes He'll talk to you audibly and tell you. And then sometimes you can be as stiff-necked as I have been. I'll give you an example. One time, just a few years ago, I was right out here, just north of DFW Airport. I was finishing up a test kitchen. We almost had the building built. I was finishing up, and it was, uh, I forget now, Friday or Saturday, whatever it was. I don't remember the exact day. But I, I liked just a little bit having the cabinets all installed, and the guys that were doing this, I couldn't get them to work on that day. And I wanted this thing finished by Monday morning. So I went over there and said, I'll finish it myself. I went over there, and I'm putting in the little washing machine and everything, hooking everything up. And I needed a little spacer, about a three-quarter inch board, about this wide, to put on the back of the washing machine so it would set out perfectly level with the front of the cabinet. And I reached over, and I picked up a little board, and I picked up my skill saw, and I started to cut off a little piece about that long, and I heard a voice say, Your hand is too close. I heard a voice. It wasn't a thought. I heard a voice. It was audible. And I said, okay, God. I knew that was God. I said, okay, God. I'll move my hand out to the end of the board. And I started to saw again. He said, it's still too close. And I didn't heed it that time. Now, you talk about a hard-hearted, stiff-necked guy. You know, I mean, this is the height of stupidity. This is God talking to me, and I'm not paying attention. And so I just start sawing. I'm thinking to myself, you know, and twice he told me, and I'm thinking, oh, it's not too close. This time I got it way out here on the end. You know, of course, a little board wasn't but about that long, you know, and I'm just going across there, and I get about halfway across, and he says, son, your hand is too close. And what do you think I did? Just kept right on sawing. This is the height of stupidity, folks. I get about an inch from the edge of the board. And that board pinches, and it jerks that board out from under and jerks my hand right under that saw. That'll make you cringe just thinking about it, doesn't it? Well, it happened so quick, it hit that finger right there six times. End of the blade, just toom, 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 six little bitty tiny dings in my finger. It hardly bled. The one on the other side, it hit it three times. Ding, ding, ding. But the one in the middle, it started right at that joint and plumbed to the bone to the end. It ripped it off. Was I warned? Beyond measure. I heard the Holy Ghost speak to me in an audible voice. And I still didn't heed it. Now, how many young men have heard Daddy walk up to him and say, Son, don't go there. Don't You'll get in trouble. I mean, he's, he's right here in front of you. He's lived 30 years more than you have. He knows what he's talking about. He's warning you. And when Dad walks off, you say, Dad's an old fogey. He don't have a clue what he's talking about. I'm going down there anyway. Now, I know none of you boys ever done that besides me. You know, I know none of y'all never been guilty of that. Y'all were all good boys. I know that, yeah. 
Yeah, I know how good of boys you were. Yeah, I've been one of them young, stupid kids. I've been there and done it. Isn't it amazing when we don't hear the voice of our dad? If we can't learn to hear the voice of our dad and our mother, what do you think we're going to do when the Holy Ghost tries to talk to us? Most of us are not going to hear it. We're not going to hear it at all. So if you are a young person today, I don't care when I say young, you may be 50 years old and you still got a mother and dad. You need, when they talk, you need to listen because they got 20 or 30 years on you. You need to examine what they say. You need to listen to what mom and dad says. But when God speaks to you, you sure need to listen to what he says. Now then, that day, when that did that, and it ripped the end of my finger off, I mean, I could just see bone, and I mean, I, 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 you know what's the first thing I said? I said, God, I can't believe I've done this. Especially after I'd heard his voice. Keith, after I'd heard his voice three times, you can't get no dumber than that. You just can't get there. You know, I said, how dumb was I? I said, God, you spoke to me three times and told me not to do it, and I did it anyway. So, holding my finger up. You know, washed some of the blood off, put a rag around my hand, and drove myself down to the hospital and walked in and told the lady, I said, I've got blood all over this rag. I said, ma'am, she said, what's wrong with you? I said, I have cut my finger. She said, well, let me see it. I said, do you have to see it? I said, it sure does bleed when I unfold it. She said, well, yeah, let me see it. So I said, laid it, took the rag, and folded it all out on top of the counter because I knew what was going to happen. And then I did like this. She said, close it quick. I said, okay. So I closed it back up. And so she took me back to the back and went and got a doctor. And they came and she folded my finger out there and began to wash it and scrub it. And then she put it back together and she took 13 stitches in my finger. 13 to sew it back together. And she said, well, you'll probably lose the end of that finger. Now see, that's a wrong confession. But I'd already learned how to walk in a little bit of faith. Now I didn't have near the faith I have today. But I had a little bit of faith. Now then, whenever this happened, whenever she told me, I have to go to a specialist. She said, we'll send you right on down. We got it sewed up and everything. But we'll send you right on down to a specialist. And they'll look at it and they'll tell you what needs to be done. So I go down to a specialist and I get there. And of course, it stopped bleeding now because I got it all sewed up real nice, you know. And I get down there and I walked in and they called. And so the guy took me in and he looked at it and he said, well... You've done a nice job of tearing it up. So he said that we'll have to do a skin graft and put all that new skin on the end. I said, where are you going to get that skin? He said, probably under your arm. I said, now, wait a minute. I'm going to have, I'm going to have two places to heal instead of one. I don't like this. If you're going to have to cut a big piece of skin off here and put it on there, then I've got to grow a piece back here and then this one back here. I said, no. I said, first of all, what's it going to cost? See, I'm always cost-sensitive about everything. He said it was done on the job, wasn't it? I said, yes. He said, well, then don't worry about it. Your company's going to pay for it. I said, no, 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 but I'm not that kind of guy. I want to know what it's going to cost. He said, well, I don't know what it's going to cost. I said, well, you're the doctor, aren't you? I said, you're the one going to do it? He said, yes. I said, then I want to know what it's going to cost. He said, well, I can't tell you. And I said, well, then I'm not going to have it done. I said, he said, sir, you can't wait to make a decision on something like this. You've got to do this or you're going to lose the end of that finger. I said, oh, no, I'm not going to lose that finger because I'm a son of God. I said, I'm a child of the king. And I said, Jesus has made me a whole lot of promises. And I said, 
I'm going to, I said, it's going to depend what you're going to charge. And when you tell me you're going to cut a piece off under here, then I got two pieces of heel. So I just really think I'm just going to trust God all the way. He said, well, you know, you, your finger, you'll lose that finger. I said, no, I ain't going to lose that finger. I said, my Jesus does good work. And I said, I don't want to have two places to heal. He said, well, it'll be at least tomorrow before I can find out. I'll have to call the hospital, see what they're going to charge and everything else. I said, okay. So the next day, he called me. And he said, well, it looks like that my part's going to be 3500 I said, so what's the hospital part going to be? He said, well, I really can't get them to give me a price. So he said, it could be three to 5000 on their part. So I said, we're talking eight to $10,000 to fix a finger? He said, well, yeah. I said, no, thank you. He said, your company's going to pay for it. I said, no, it was my fault. I said, it was really my fault because I said, God told me three times not to do it, and I've done it. And he said, you, you said what? I said, I said, God told me three times not to do it, and I did it anyway. I said, but I've repented and asked him to forgive me, so I know he has, so I know he's going to heal my finger. And so I said, I'm not coming back. He said, well, will you come back and let me check it in a few days? It happened on Monday, I think it was a Friday, whatever it was, Friday or Saturday, whatever it was. Anyway, I said, okay, the next week, about whatever that would be, eight or nine days later, something like that, the following Friday, he said, will you at least come back and let me check it again? And look at it. I said, okay, I'll come back in a week or nine, eight or nine days, whatever it was. Uh, but I said, by the time I get there, I said, it will already be completely healed. You see, the power of your confession in your God is so important. Well, in about three days, it was so healed that I thought, you know, I don't need them stitches in there. I just took a little uh, bill and snipped them and pulled them out. And by the next Friday, when I got there, he said, let me see your finger. I held it up. He said, you're not the same guy. I said, yeah, I'm the same guy. He said, oh, he said, there's a little bitty tiny. He said, that's the same finger? I said, that's the same finger. But that's the same finger after faith was applied to it. Does God do good work? Say, when I trusted Him, there ain't no doctor in the world could have put a skin graft on there and been healed totally and completely in a week with no scars. And even where the 13 stitches were put in there, you can't see a single one of them. Today, that finger is as beautiful as the rest of my fingers. Now, when you trust God, He'll do those kind of things for you. See, even when you're stiff-necked, like these people were, and hard-headed, and don't even listen when he talks. When you repent, he'll forgive you and restore you, even after he's told you not to do something. Now, I know we've all been there and been stiff-necked, haven't we? Amen. See, because it started a long time ago, because we're reading about what these people did. These people done the same thing, and he's warning us about these people. Now, look what he says. Now, these things were examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as there were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. In other words, we're going to have a party. When you have the kind of party they had, God wasn't happy with them. When you get involved in those kind of parties, there ain't nothing wrong with you having a good Christian party. Clean Christian party. 
But when you do it the way these people did it, he didn't like it. Look what he said. Neither let us commit fornication. That's what these people did during this party. Neither let us commit fornication or sex outside of wedlock, as some of them committed, and they fell in one day three. Oh, how many, Tom? Three and twenty thousand. In other words, 23,000 people fell dead at this party. How would you like to have been at that party? I wouldn't have wanted to have been there. Oh, but we're having so much fun. We're drinking. We're having a party. You know, I mean, the girls are going to the back rooms with the guys. They're doing all kinds of... Boy, what a party. They do that for a little while, and all of a sudden they start dying everywhere. 23,000 of them Drop dead. Is that what the Scripture says? Should that tell us we should teach our children that no parties, no drunken brawls, no sex out of wedlock, because it might cost you your life. Now see, all the people didn't die, but 23,000 of them had a bad day. You know, and I don't believe them 23,000 went to heaven. I believe they're still in hell today. Because God says adulterers, murderers, fornicators shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's that's serious stuff, isn't it? You got a question? I think God does these kind of things as an example. I think when you ask the question, how come only 23,000 of them died? I'm going to tell you, if God wasn't merciful, there wouldn't be a single person in this room today. Every one of us would be dead. I'm glad He's merciful. But you know, there's a lot of us that came through life that's not here today. And you know why? Because we sinned and He made the decision as to who dies and who lives. He's God. So, I'm going to tell you, don't put Him to the test. Because if you happen to be one of the ones that goes the wrong path and He says, that's it. That's your last sin. In fact, I'm going to tell you there was a couple in church, in the first church, that walked in, and they had a little bitty sin that they sinned against the Holy Ghost. They had a little piece of land. And it doesn't tell us how much they sold it for, but I'm going to use a number of $50. So they had a little piece of land, and they sold this little piece of land for $50. And so him and his wife said, you know, let's go down to church, and let's tell them that we sold it for 30 and we want to give it all to the Lord. We want to really look good. And so Ananias come down. He said, Peter, we sold our piece of land for $30. And we want to give it all to God. And Peter said, wasn't that piece of land yours? Couldn't you have done anything with it you wanted to? You didn't have to sell it. Or you could have sold it for anything you wanted to. And you could have given the church anything you wanted to. But he said, you have lied to God. Man. He said, now because you've lied, you're going to die. Bam. And Ananias fell dead right there. On the ground. Some men come, picked him up, took him out and buried him. Got dug the hole. Three hours later, those same men came back with their shovels in hand. And just as they walked in, Sapphira and his wife walked in. And Peter said, oh, did y'all really sell the property for $30? Yes, that's the price, she said. He said, why have you and your husband decided to lie to God? Now, because you have lied and agreed with your husband... You're going to die too. And immediately she fell dead. And it says, in great fear fell upon the church. Let me tell you. You know what? God says in His Word. He said, we're to tithe. 
He didn't tell us where to give 100%. He said, just give 10%. So today, I'm going to say, okay, God says tithe. So I'm going to put the box right down here. And I'm going to take each one of you. And whatever you made this week, you bring that up here. And you put it in that box and give it to God. And so Cheryl gets up and she walks up here. And she puts 10%, everything she made, she comes and sits down. Then... This little girl, Michelle, she gets up and she brings her little money and she puts it in there and she goes and sits down. And then the next person gets up and they walk up there and they put theirs and drop it and they turn and take one step and they fall dead. I said, well, they obviously lied to God. So I go out and I look and I pull up their envelope and it says they give $20 and I know that they made 500 last week. So they didn't, they didn't give God $50 like they should have. They lied to him. Then I say, okay, that one lied to God. They're dead. Let's take them out here. And now then, next, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, after you've seen one drop dead, if you come up here and put your money in there, I'm going to guarantee you're going to die at that time. Uh, you know it? And if we had a, if God wasn't merciful, in answer to this lady's question back here, if God wasn't merciful, I'm going to tell you, before I learned to tithe, He would have killed me many times over. You know, I didn't know I was supposed to be a tither, and He knew that. But once He learned, once I learned that, then He holds me accountable to that. He says, but He holds every one of us accountable. And there's many of us, and that's the only place I found in God's Word, that He says, if you steal from me, I will curse you with a curse. But that's also the only place in God's Word where I find out where He says, you put me to the test and try me, and you give me the first tenth of all of your income, and you see if I, God, won't part a blessing that's beyond your ability to contain. See? Now, there's a lot of people who say, well, I couldn't possibly tithe. Well, I'm going to tell you, you ain't never going to be blessed until you do. Wherever you go to church, wherever you go to church, you need to be a tither if you want to be blessed. You know, I mean, that's, that's God's Word, you know. I'm not going to be the one to bless you. He's going to be the one that bless you. But I know it works. I proved it years ago. I started tithing and giving God more than a tithe. And He has absolutely, beyond our wildest dreams, just like this ministry, when God prompted me to start this ministry, I said, Lord, I ain't going to give you a tithe. I'm going to give you everything. So everything we make, I give it away. I don't sell nothing. You think He honors that? Yes, Yes, He does. He meets our needs every week. But we don't sell nothing. We give it away. And therefore, if you've got money and you want something, you can come in here and if you want to get 10 or 15 or 20 CDs or DVDs, you can get them. It makes no difference whether you've got money. Or if you come in here and you ain't got a penny and you want to get 15 or 20 CDs, you can get them. It don't cost you nothing. We had a guy from a church the other day come down and this guy... He took a box, a 30-pound box full of stuff. He said, how much do I owe you for all this? I said, nothing. We give it away. I said, are you a pastor? He said, yes, I'm taking this back to my church. I said, praise God. Get some, get some more if you want it. You know? I don't charge for nothing. Did God say given to be given to you? See, that's what he says, and that's what he means. But see, as he says here, 23,000 people fell dead that day. Now, who knows? And, of course, I don't know and answered her question. And this is just, just something else that I just said. Maybe the 23,000 that fell dead were the 23,000 that was committing adultery at the very time when he decided, that's it. I don't know. 
But all I know is what the Scripture says. We know because of their fornication or adultery, 23,000 people died in one day at a party. Don't go to one of those kind of parties. You know, they wind up costing you your life. If God wasn't merciful, like I said, none of us would be here. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we know we have. We do this. Then he says, after he says, Neither let us tempt God, or Christ, verse 9, as some of them also tempted, and they were destroyed of serpents. When you tempt Him, He doesn't like it. So He sent the serpents in. Now, back in this day here, these were literally live snakes crawling on the ground that come and bit the people. But today, these serpents are demons. They're demons. And then He goes even a little further in the next verse, and he said, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, grumbled, and complained. Do you think God likes grumbling and complaining? Here he said, Don't murmur or don't grumble and complain, as some of them also grumbled and complained, and they were destroyed of the destroyer. Who is the destroyer? That's the devil himself. I mean, if God sends the devil... To kill you, if God sends the devil to kill you, what chance do you think you have against the devil? You ain't got a prayer. And who's going to send him? Who, who sent this one? God did. He's in control. He knows what's going on. You had another question? Tempting God would do something when you know he doesn't like it. Like, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt God doesn't like grumbling and complaining. So something happens today and I don't like it. And I say, God, I know you don't like groaning and complaining, but I'm, 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 I'm upset with what's going on right here. I don't like this. You know, these people are not doing what I want them to do. That bunch of stiff-necked people down at the church. You know, you don't have to talk about the people out there in the world. You might, I mean, we're, we're stiff-necked enough right here in the church. You know, but God tells us to love each other. He said love. He didn't tell us to grumble and complain about each other. Because when we grumble and complain, and then there's a lot of people. I know a woman that lived a terrible life, died early, was a miserable woman, and suffered intently the last year of her life in a hospital, most of it in intense pain. And you know what I heard was her sin? I heard it from her own husband. He said, when we used to leave church, she always run the pastor down on the way home. Let me tell you, God don't like it when you grumble and complain against His anointed men. You may not like what the guy teaches, but don't grumble and complain about him. You know, if you don't like what a man teaches, just say, okay, Lord, he's yours. I'm going somewhere else. You know, I'm not going to grumble and complain about that guy. I ain't going to talk about him because it may bring suffering and pain and torment into your life. I mean, God is telling us all these things right here. I mean, if you can't get this picture of what we're reading right now, man, your wood is wet. You know, I mean, you couldn't light this fire. I mean, you, if you, I mean, you need to dry this stuff out, you know, so that a spark would light your fire. He says, don't tempt Christ. Because the serpent destroyed, and then neither murmur or grumble and complain, and the destroyer or the devil come, 
Now he says in verse 11, All these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the end of the world has come. Now, these things happened, and he didn't just let it go away. He wrote it down so you could read about it every day or every week. If you don't believe this, when you get home, reread this. Reread 1 Corinthians 10 and see what God doesn't like. He's telling you right here in this chapter things He does not like. And He tells you what He did to people that done what He didn't like. And all these things were examples for you and me. So, if they're examples for you and me, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You think, well, these things ain't going to never happen to me. I'm a big boy. I can, out, I can do anything. You know, I can, I can go out here and I can just do what I want to and ain't nothing going to happen to me. I mean, I can go out here and tempt God if I want to. I can go out here and run around some other woman. You know, I can do what I want to and ain't nothing going to happen to me. But you know, there's people do that every day. There are people in the church that do that every day. And then they wonder why they're sick and afflicted. And you wonder why when they call you to pray for them, they do not get healed. They have committed the sin unto death. And when you've committed the sin unto death, the Word of God tells us in 1 John, you're not even supposed to pray about that. Well, I don't really know when it is the sin unto death. And so I go pray for everybody. You know, I pray for them. I do my best to tell them what sin is and get them to repent and turn from their wicked ways and walk in life. Now, if God wasn't merciful, most of us, if not all of us in this room, can think of things in the last week or two or three when we stepped out of a love walk when technically speaking God should have killed us right there on the spot. Every one of us. But I'm glad He's merciful. Aren't you? Like I say, if he wasn't, he'd be doing this all by himself. That's kind of like the guy, you know, that had the most beautiful rose garden. I mean, it had roses every kind. And this guy walked out and he saw this. He walked through this path, beautiful path, beautiful stones, beautiful roses, no weeds or nothing. And this guy walked and looked at this place. And the owner, he was there with him. And this guy said, this is the most beautiful rose garden I've ever seen. He says, doesn't God do beautiful work? And the guy said, yeah, he does, but you ought to have seen it when he had it by himself. See, that wasn't a rose garden until God put a man in there. It was thorns and thistles and everything else. But when a man got in there and started doing what God says and cleaning it up, pulling the weeds, fertilizing, irrigating, do all the things, then you can plant those beautiful seeds. And, of course, you've got to pull the weeds and everything constantly to keep that rose garden beautiful. You take God. He can do wonderful things, but He's got to have a man to help Him. You know, that's why He gave us the earth. You know, I mean, God can do wonderful things with it, but He needs people to keep it trimmed and like that. That's what He gave us the job to do. If you don't think that's true, just don't mow your yard. Don't weed it, you know. Just let it lay like it is. And if you live in the city, it won't be long. They'll be knocking on your door. We need you to mow your yard. You've got the worst yard in town. You know, that's a, that's a good part about living in the city. Somebody's always telling you what you have to do. <laughs> that's just the way life is. But if they didn't do that, we've got some bums out there that would never do nothing. You, have, you know, 
you got people that have old cars in their driveway and drug, tore out stuff and all that kind of stuff. Well, if you live out in the country like I do, you can put them out behind the barn. And ain't nobody say nothing about it. But in the city, you can't do that. But we, there's nothing that we can do that, it, when he says there, there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted beyond what you're able that with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, any time a temptation comes, if you've trained your children or yourself when a temptation comes and you're out with the wrong crowd. Oh, come on. Ernest, if you hadn't tried this drug, you know, you're a 16-year-old boy. If you ain't tried this, you chicken, come on. It's the best stuff going. You know, we've been 16, haven't we? And they, we've heard them do those kind of, oh, just have this beer. And it's good grief, you know. I mean, you don't, I mean, have you ever drank one? No, I don't drink. Well, just try it here. You know, you'll love it. And now that you're going to listen to one voice. And too many of our children today listen to the wrong voice because the pressure is so great on them. And, and three or four young men, oh, you chicken. Come on, try it. You know, look it up. We're drinking it. How good it is. You know, just try You chicken, you come on. I know. I was 16 one time. You know, I've been there and done it. I've seen it. And I mean, I, I remember whenever I used to say, no, I don't smoke. I ain't going to smoke. I ain't going to drink. I'm not going to do none of those things. And I remember a young man just a few years ago, a young man from my, old, my hometown, he called me one day and said, Thurman, this is so-and-so. And I thought, the so-and-so went to school with me in high school? He said, yeah. I said, man, I ain't heard from you in 40 years. He said, I don't know. He said, are you going to be at Goldthwaite anytime soon? I said, well, I hadn't planned to come down there. Why? He said, I need to talk to you. I said, is it extremely important? He said, extremely. I said, okay. How about if I come down next Monday? Where can I meet you? I went down there to meet this man, had no idea what he needed. When I got there, I met him, and I said, what's your problem? How can I help you? He said, if there's anybody in the world who can help me, it was you. I said, what do you mean? He said, all the time when we were in high school, when we all tried to tempt you to do this wrong, you never would go wrong with the rest of us. He said, I'm an alcoholic today. And I've got a son that's an alcoholic. And he said, I hate my life. And I hate what happened to my children. And if there's anybody got the answers, you bound to have them because you never failed to sin like we did. I thought, good grief, God. Forty years later, because of the way I stood for you 40 years ago, this guy had never forgot who I was. But you know what they were saying to me when I was 16? Oh, you chicken. Come on. Just have a few beers with us. It won't hurt you. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I didn't do it. And that burned into their hearts, and they knew that. And I was able to minister to that, and I spent the whole day with that man and his son. I showed them what was available from God's Word, and he believed me. It changed his life forever. Now, what if I'd have been just one of the boys and been a drunk with the rest of them when I was there? He wouldn't have never called on me. I ain't no different than them. Well, let me tell you, as a Christian, we need to be different.
I mean, we need to be so different. And we need to teach our children in love. You need to sit down in love. Daddy needs to be the loving example in the home to read the Word of God to his children. And then Daddy needs to walk this example. As Daddy goes, so the sons will go. That's just a way of life. I can remember one day a man come sat down in my office. We were talking. And he was in the process of doing business. He got to telling me about his 16, 17-year-old son. And how he's possessed with girls. So that's all he thinks about is girls. I thought, well, that's pretty normal for a 16 or 17-year-old. But he said, no, he's beyond being, you know, he said he looks at every girl. And we're sitting there talking. All of a sudden, one of our secretaries, which was a pretty young woman, probably 30, you know, she's a pretty nice-looking woman, she walked by the window. Who's he's talking to me, he stopped talking, and he watched her all the way across. So she went out of sight. And then he come back and started talking to me. And then in a few minutes, he caught her out of the eye going back, and he stopped, and he watched her all the way back. This time when she got all the way across, I said, sir, I can tell you what's wrong with your son. I said, it's you. You're the problem. He said, what do you mean? I said, you're possessed with a spirit of lust just like your son is. That's where he got it from you. I said, that girl, when she walked by, all you did is watch her all the way before and backwards both times. I said, you couldn't even talk to me or think watching that girl. See, he hadn't even seen that in himself. See, we don't see ourselves as the way we really are. We don't think what we're doing is wrong. I mean, what's wrong with me looking at a pretty girl all the way back? Hey, that's wrong. You're not supposed to dwell on a beautiful woman as she goes back. Now, if a beautiful woman walks in the door, if you want to look up and see her, look her right now and say, Lord, you did a beautiful job on her. She's a pretty woman. But then take your eyes off of her and stop looking. And you have to look at her again. Look at her right in the eyes. When you're talking with her, be looking at her right in the eyes. Don't be talking to her and saying, hmm, you know, you're looking here and all the way down here and back up. <laughs> you know what a woman feels like when you're doing that around her? She feels miserably uncomfortable. She knows where your mind is. You can't fool a woman. God give them a discerning of spirits. They all got it. You know, they know what you're thinking. You know, so you can't go there. You've got to learn to straighten your life up. But the, none of these temptations, all these temptations that overtakes us is common to every man. They've been here forever. They ain't no new ones. But if you'll walk with God and do what He says, He will give you the ability to overcome every one of them. Every one of those. Now then, we saw what God says He will do if we do these things. Now, none of us want to walk there, do we? I don't want to walk there. I mean, I don't want to be eat up with none of these things that He just said because I know what has happened. It not only brings sickness and disease to you and your family, but it brings death. A lot of these people died. And I'm telling you, that 23,000 that died because of their adulterous situations they were in that day, I'm assured that some of those people were very young people. Maybe in their 20s or 30s. But God, like He said, He's no respecter person. But He makes the decision who's going to die and who's going to live. I don't make that decision. He does. He does. So, you better be glad if you're here today. He's been merciful to you. You better thank Him, Lord. I thank You, Lord. 
That's because I can think of some of you men or some of you women and think of the times that you've lied or you've grumbled or you've committed adultery or fornication or whatever, stole something, whatever you did, you can think, oh God, I could have been killed right there when I'd done that. And that's right, you could have been. And he'd have been just in what he'd done if he'd have took you out right there. But he could have done the same thing to every one of us. So we need to thank him regularly. Lord, I'm glad your mercy is new every morning. I need your mercy, God, every morning. Now then, let's turn over and see what we can do in Second Peter chapter 1. We, start, we learned the part we really don't want to talk about, but we got to talk about both sides. Now let's turn over to Second Peter chapter 1 and start about verse 4. And let's go from there on down in Second Peter 1. Verse 4, he says, Whereby are given to, unto us, now these things he's given to us, the church, this is always to the obedient church. I mean, you can go back and read God's Word and it makes no difference. It makes no difference. You go all the way back to the beginning of the book of Genesis and the blessings of God always come upon those who obey. They never come upon those that are disobedient, do they? Never. It's always the obedient. So God has never changed the way He does business. If we're obedient, He will bless us. If we're disobedient, He will curse us. But let's see what, what can happen, what He says will happen if we're obedient. He says, as Christians under the new covenant of Second Peter chapter 1, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Now, these promises are given to the entire church, but they'll only work for you when you walk into God's kind of life. When you walk in love with God, with people, he says, are given to us great and precious promises. By these great and precious promises, we might be partakers of the divine nature of God. Having escaped the corruption or the degeneration that is in the world through lust. Now, I like that, don't you? Exceeding great and precious promises that I can walk in divine health, that I don't have to be sick no more, I mean, that I don't ever have to go to a doctor again. Do you like that? I like that. And that's what's available to you and me today if we will walk in obedience to His Word. We can become partakers of God's divine nature. You think God has back trouble? You think He has arthritis? You think he has a hernia? Well, then, why do we as Christians have these kind of things? Because we don't meet the criteria that we're going to read about here. See, if we do what he says here, we can become partakers of God's divine nature. Now then, how would you like to get to be 80 or 90 years old and still be able to do everything you could do when you were 30? Hey, I like that. You know, now when I was 30, you know, when my dad was 50, and I was about, well, 30, no, I was a little younger than that, I guess. Dad was about 30 years older than me, really. So, but when my dad was 50, and I was just a 20-year-old or whatever it was, I thought dad was over the hill. I mean, good grief, he's 50 years old. And you know, I come in, I remember coming in, dad'd be sitting there in his easy chair, he'd be in pain, and he'd taken a couple of Andersons, I said, what's wrong, dad? He said, oh, son, I'm past 50. He said, I'm just getting old. He said, I'm kind of hurt in the back working on them bulldozers today. But he said, you'll learn. When you get old like me, you'll learn. And he said, you just have to take a couple of Andersons every day and go on. See, my dad didn't learn the promises of God. 
He was a Christian, but he didn't ever spend enough time in God's Word to learn these mighty promises so he could become a partaker of God's divine nature. So I was set up right there thinking that, well, if I get to be 50, of course, that is old, you know. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, when you're 20, when you're 20, 50 seems old. You know, y'all shake your head. No, yeah, let me tell you, when you're 20, 50 sounds like it's ancient. You think that's forever. But when you get 30, 50 don't sound so bad. And then when you get 40, you think, whoo, 50 not very, it didn't take long to get from 30 to 40. Now then, 40 to 50, and then when you get to be 60, and then 70, and 80, and 90, and right on down the road, hey, it's available to you and me to walk in God's divine nature if we'll do what He's going to tell us in the next few verses. We can become a partaker of His divine nature. Now, so that should, that should whet your appetite to know what He's going to say in the next few verses. So let's see what He says. And besides this, giving all diligence. How much diligence? Oh, not 50%. 100%. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. What is virtue? That's moral excellence. That's being morally pure. That don't mean no adultery, does it? That don't mean a little bit of fornication. That don't mean no sex outside of wedlock or just once a year. It means moral excellence. Add diligently to your faith virtue. And then to virtue, knowledge. You mean I've got to study this book? If I don't study this book, I'm in trouble. I can meet one of these criteria, but if I don't meet them all, it's not going to work for me. That means I've got to turn off the football games which we had so much traffic in town today. I understand some people couldn't get here because of the football game. Thousands of people were going to that football game, I guess. I don't even know. Several people told me there's a football game. I don't know. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, now, that young lady, she's learned how to pray in faith, though. See, she, she's a real Christian woman. She knows how to move the hand of God. But... All of us, because of these things, if we do these things, we can do this. When he says, and giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. So when you start studying this book and reading this book, in fact, yesterday, we had a gentleman at the meeting that drove from Connecticut to come to the meeting in Pennsylvania. That's still a pretty good little drive. But this man, when I walked in, I had never seen this man this man has blessed our ministry several times with some very significant gifts, but he's a contractor. And when I walked in yesterday, I didn't know him. I'd never seen a picture of him. He said, Thurman, I'm so-and-so. I said, oh, praise God. You know, and he looked at me and he said, praise God. He grabbed me and hugged me. He said, praise God for you. Praise God for you. And I thought, I said, we won't praise God for Jesus. He said, I know Jesus is. But, Sarah, if you hadn't taught me what I've learned, he said, I was raised a Catholic until two years ago. I was totally defeated. And he said, when I got a hold of your teaching, he said, it has revolutionized my life. I've learned how to pray and get right with God. And he said, I've seen God do so many things in the last two years, you wouldn't even believe. He said, yes, you would believe it, wouldn't you? I said, yes, I would. He called me one day. He said, I just had an answer to prayer. I said, what's that? He said, all the guys on the... He, he's a, got a bunch of backhoes and all this kind of stuff. 
He said, we're out here digging some holes, and we're trying to get some stuff done in a city up there. And, of course, we've got some inspectors that are really hard-nosed in some of those northern states. And he said, there was nothing we could do that would please those inspectors. He said, at the end of the day, the guys come to me and said, you know, we ain't never going to get this job done. I mean, these guys are too hard to get along with. He said, guys, let's all get over here and it's time to pray. So he said, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come against the devil that's working on these guys. We ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, to move by your Holy Spirit and soften the hearts of these men. Because we're going to do a good job. We're not going to cut nothing short. We're not going to shy nothing. But we ask you to work on these men's hearts so tomorrow when they come in, they're going to have a good day. We're going to get all this finished and we're going to be out of here tomorrow in the name of Jesus. He said, next morning, the inspectors come in. He said, when the day was over that day, every one of my guys come back to me and said, boss, we got to pray every day. It works so good. He said, everything we did pleased those inspectors today. Now see, when a man sees, learns how to pray and to do things like that, and these men that work with him see that, it changes everybody's life. And see, that man now, he was raised a Catholic. He said, I was raised a Catholic. And he says, when I started hearing your teaching, I went to my Catholic church and said, hey, this Bible I carry to church, it says we're supposed to be holy. So what do we do with that? They said, well, you know that you can't do that. He said, but the book says I'm supposed to be holy. He said, the church came against me big time. He said, they didn't believe this stuff, Thurman. I said, I know. <laughs> I know. People don't want to believe this. Because whenever they believe it, then they're held accountable. And they know they're held accountable. They think if they shove it off to the side, they won't be held accountable. But let me tell you, they're held accountable anyway. It's amazing. But he says there, and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance, you're to become temperate. These are things you're to work on. And to temperance, patience. Okay, God, I've got it. Five seconds, and if you don't change it, I can't wait no longer. No, that ain't patience. That's not patience. Patience is Ongoing, long-suffering, doing what God says, walking in a God kind of love. Then he says, and to patience, godliness. Oh, you mean I'm supposed to become like God? Is that a mouthful? But is that what he said? We're to become like God? I wonder how many people deal with us on a daily basis and think, I believe we've got our work cut out for us, don't y'all? When they see you, say, wow, that woman, if I ever met a woman like Jesus, that's her. How would you like people to know you like that? Is that the way you want to be known? Or they walk up to this man and say, this man is the closest thing to Jesus I've ever seen. He may be the project manager out here on these cities. But this man, he prays over everything. He talks like Jesus. He acts like Jesus. He never uses no profanity. And he never gets screaming mad at us. He just prays for us. This guy's the closest thing to Jesus I've ever seen. How would you like to be known like that? Well, see, that's what the Scripture says we're supposed to be like right here. Godliness. We're supposed to be like God. You talk about having your work cut out for you? Hey, it's quite a chore. To be like God. Then he says, and after godliness, he says, and to godliness, he don't quit yet. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. 
brotherly kindness. Just repeat everybody with brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Love. The God kind of love. That charity there means the God kind of love. Then he says, now this is a pretty good little group of things to do, isn't it? Your work's cut out for you. He says, for if. This is the thing that always gets me. Anytime you see a but if or a for if. For if these things, what things? All the things we just read. If these things be in you, and they abound in you. Not just a little bit. You're not going to do them today. And then go back to your old ways tomorrow. You're going to be that godly, patient, enduring man or woman every day. Is this a chore? It's a chore. I mean, <laughs> I'm telling you. It is a chore. But is this a command from God for us to do this? Yeah. So he says, But if these things be in you and they abound in you, they will make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you really want to know the King in a deep way? Ooh, let me hold up my hand. So, if we want to have the knowledge of who He really is and know Him in His glory, we're going to have to walk right here. Or He ain't going to reveal Himself to you in the glory you want. He may, you may know Him a little. You may know about Him. But you ain't going to never know Him like you want to know Him. You've got to become one with Him. And do all these things if you really want the, the knowledge of God to abound and flood your heart so you can really become just like Jesus. And that's my goal. I'll have to say, I know I'm not there, but I'm getting closer every day. And if you're not, if you're not getting closer to this every day, shame on you. You need to get back in this book every day. Every day. We should be better next Sunday than we were today. Every one of us should be better men and women next week than we were today because we need to spend time with God. And he says, but he that lacketh these things. But if you lack these things, you're blind. And you cannot see afar off. And you have forgotten that you were purged from your old sins. In other words, if you're back out there sinning, if you're not doing these things, you have forgotten that you're a son of God. You forgot that the king died on the cross for you and washed away all your sins and justified you and made you just as if you'd never sinned. You forget that. And so you go right back into the world. But he that lacketh these things is blind. And he cannot see afar off. And he has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the brethren, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Give diligence to read the Word, study the Word, and learn more about God. It says, for if you do these things, if you, not if God, if you do these things, 
you'll only fall once in a while. Oh, I read that wrong, didn't I, Tom? You were reading the Word. That's dangerous when you pay attention. Amen. So if you abound in all these things and give diligence to all these things, how often are you going to fall? Never. So guess what? When we fall, we don't stay there. We get out of that love walk. What a goal to shoot for, huh? Is it even possible? Yes, it is. We can do it, can't we? But you can't do it without learning to listen to that Holy Spirit. Without Him, you can't go there. It's impossible for you to do those things on your own. Every morning when you wake up, the first thing you should do after you praise and worship God is you should ask Him to fill you with a mighty Holy Spirit again today, afresh. I mean, fill you overflowing. You can go out there and fill your car up today. I mean, you can fill it up and you think, man, i got a tank full of gas. I can go forever. But you drive from here to downtown Dallas or back out to Louisville and you look down, the gauge ain't on full no more, is it? The beast is going down. The nerve of that stuff, as much as it costs, it ought to last forever. But it don't. It don't go no further today than it did when it cost a quarter of a gallon. You know, it still takes a gallon to do a certain number of miles. And so when that tank gets out, you say, well, I, I filled mine up. I ain't never going to fill it up again. Let me tell you, if it was our car in about a week or a week and a half, we'd be walking. <laughs> and the girl says, oh, bye. <laughs> she don't want to walk. It really makes it nice when you st- can stop every few days. When your tank gets down to about a half or a quarter, you stop and fill it up, and then you never have to be concerned about being out of gas, do you? Never. Never. Well, let me tell you, I think even if we still three-quarters full on the Holy Ghost when we wake up in the morning, we still ought to ask for a top-off. Lord, top me off with the Holy Ghost. I want to be full to overflowing because I want you and me to go today, and I want all the power of you that I can have in me so that I don't fall so that I walk holy, I walk patient, I walk in a God kind of love, so the knowledge of God can come to me and you can talk to me and I can hear you and I'll be obedient to do what you say so I don't never cut my finger again. See? I mean, but all of us have done those kind of things, haven't we? Just like Virginia last night said, when I went to stick that finger under there to straighten that little pad, that voice says, don't put your finger under there. She said, I heard that. This is clear. But I went right ahead and went on another anyway. And it cost her her finger. Cost her her finger. Well, he spoke to me three times. And I went ahead and did it anyway so I can understand where she's coming from. I can't say shame on you, Virginia. Because when I say shame on you, i got three of them pointing back at me. I've done it more than three times, too. That's what upset me. You know, he's talked to me and told me not to do something. I go ahead and do it anyway. So... I mean, I wouldn't be telling you all these things, confessing all my sins, if I didn't think some of y'all just as bad as I am. <laughs> but y'all know we're just human beings that we do make mistakes. So y'all can laugh with me. You can say, "Everyone's been there. I've done it too." And you know, I had no idea when I tell these stories of myself how some people would have just like this last weekend. Some said. I heard one of your stories, how you done something, and I thought, you know, if Thurman did that, he had to learn just like the rest of us. If he lived there, then there's hope for me. 
So see, I told some of the stupid things I'd done. They think, well, he would never do nothing like that. Yeah, let me tell you. I didn't get this kind of faith overnight. It happened over years and years and years of study and experiences. And guess how you're going to get it? The same way. The same way. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you for this beautiful book that you tell us what you like and what you don't like because we know you're God. And we know this book. You wrote this book. And this is just not an old wives' tale. This is the Word of the living God. And Lord, we know everything in here is written for our admonition, for our love, so that we can obey you and so you can bless us. And Lord, we all want to become partakers of the divine nature of God, but we realize we've got to do it your way. We've got to walk in that love, that patience, that moral excellence, and all those wonderful things that you told us to do. When we do that, we can walk in your divine nature, which there's no sickness and disease there. But Lord, we've got to walk there. We've got to walk in that love 24-7. Can't get out of it. We've got to walk there. We've got to love everybody, our brothers, our spouses. We've got to obey you, God, because you're God. And Father, help us that we will walk there, that we walk in the God kind of love. Lord, I want to walk there. And with the help of your Holy Spirit, I will walk there in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, as people have, have needs, whatever they are, if somebody needs to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we ask you to work on their heart, bring them forth so we can pray for them and lead them to Christ. Lord, if somebody needs a, a need met, whatever it is, uh, healing or uh, anything, whatever their need might be, we ask you to bring them up so we can pray for them. Because Cheryl and I and Ty and Cheryl will be up here. We'll be praying for the people. And Lord, as we pray for them, we ask you to be here with us to meet their needs. Because Lord, you're our God, our Savior, our healer, our deliverer, our provider. And we're all your children. And we praise you and thank you for the privilege to serve you. Now, Father, bless everything we do this week as we go forth. We ask you to put this love, this knowledge, this wisdom, this virtue, this patience, gentleness, and godliness in us so that we will walk like you. So that when people see us, they will see you and not us. And Lord, we give you all the praise and glory and honor for doing these things for us. In Jesus' name, amen.